Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From Variety, celebrating more than 118 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. There was a very palpable joy on the set. It was one of the happiest sets I've ever seen. And there was a feeling of like, okay, well, it doesn't necessarily mean the movie's going to work, but I'm a big believer that a lot of that gets into the movie. And I thought, well, if, if people have as much fun watching it as we did making it, or even half as much, it, we've got a shot. Yes, indeed, Barbie was as fun to make as it was to watch. I'm Michael Schneider. On this episode of the award-winning Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talked to Greta Gerwig, the writer and director behind this summer's blockbuster, Barbie. But first, on a special edition of The Roundtable, we gather to remember friend star Matthew Perry and how he meant so much to all of us. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hi, everyone. It is the Variety Awards Circuit Roundtable. I am Variety TV editor Michael Schneider, joined by Clayton Davis. Hi. Jazz Tanke. Hello. Janelle Riley. Yo. And Emily Longaretta. The whole team is here. She doesn't even go Hello. here. Exactly. Well, we wanted to bring in Emily uh, because she is actually writing a big tribute in this week's uh, weekly Variety magazine uh, about the late Matthew Perry. And kind of wanted to dive into that, the news that we heard over the weekend that Matthew Perry had died at the age of 54. Which I kept praying was a hoax. I mean, yeah. so when yes. I first heard it. Well, you always, you always, when you see TMZ is the first to report, you kind of have that dread because you know they have the sources yeah. more than anyone else when it comes to knowing exactly when someone, a celebrity has died. Yeah. And, so, and there was that quiet 20 minutes after where no one was saying right. anything yet, so you get hopeful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, went, I went on CNN pretty quickly afterward, and even CNN was like, we haven't been able to confirm it yet. So it was like very clear that no one could. TMZ had the LAPD sources, but LAPD wasn't going to speak on record, so they wouldn't really speak to anybody for a long time. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it was one of those things where in the, the back of your head, you thought, well, I mean, Matthew Perry had obviously struggled for, for much of his life with addiction. And from what we understand, this actually didn't have a specific relationship to his addiction. But nonetheless, he's been fragile for so long that mm-hmm. when you heard the news, your heart sank, but you also felt he's been so troubled for so long Mm -hmm. that we always feared that among the friends, this might happen. I think he said in his book, I just pulled up the quote. I remember he said, 
if I die, it would shock people, but it wouldn't surprise anybody. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, oh, it hits so hard because it's yeah. so true. Yeah, absolutely so true. Because it was still, I mean, it was still a shock. Mm-hmm. It's. I remember we were driving uh, on the road to, to UCLA to, to visit my son, and, and uh, my wife uh, said, I just saw a text that Matthew Perry has died. I'm like, What? Maria Schneider, breaking news, man. She's like, she's one that, uh, it, this feels like Michael Jackson level. Where you like, always where, remember where you, where you were. Yeah. Where you were yeah. when you found out that, when you found out that Matthew Perry was not with us anymore. Yeah. It's really, really, not fun. really hard to even see and hear the amount of texts as, as a lifelong Friends fan who, it has really shaped my life. Uh, I, the amount of texts that I got that were like, please tell me this isn't true. And are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. That, like, that made me feel good too. Yeah. We, we have made our identity over. We've made our identity over friends, and yeah. I think they will accept that that's who we are. And a lot of people checked on us. It felt good. My, uh, it was not also um, without people like ch- trying to make fun of me for being so upset about it. They're like, we know. Yeah. How, you why know. are you so upset? Like, just, yeah. you don't know him. Like, I did know him though. <laughs> he was our friend. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and that's that's why I wanted all of you in here today because. Friends was one of those shows that impacted everyone. I mean, everyone watched it. Everyone was obsessed with it over time. And, you know, it's it's interesting to see the different generations, too, that grew up with Friends, uh, you know, either in first run or in reruns and how it's it's had an impact on, on all of you. And, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of us, I probably identified with Chandler more than any oh, other yeah. character. Yeah, he was always my favorite. And, you know, I said this before, but, like, he, he did such a good job of, like, and, and I, I try to think of, like, who else could have played that role and how unbearable and smug and annoying that part could have been. Mm-hmm. But there was always such complexity and, and pain behind what Chandler was doing. Like, you knew he wasn't the cool kid in school, mm-hmm. you know? And this was coming from a place of, like, probably being hurt. And just and his chemistry with Matt LeBlanc, like, it's just, it's one of those things that is lightning yeah. in a bottle. Yeah, the, the entire cast. It was funny, like, when you think about Chandler, Chandler was one of the most successful of the characters. You know, he had this good job. We never knew what he did. Yes. Monster. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he, does, he, does, he does say it in an episode, though. He says... I can't the, hear you. Oh God! We're sharing four mics today. Um, he uh, says it in the episode that he does data reconfiguration right. um, and statistical analysis. Statistical analysis. <laughs> like the only time he says what he right. does for a living. And they were like, "Oh, how do you know how to do that?" Like, that's what I do now. <laughs> we see him in his office, though. We did. do see him. We do actually see him at work sometimes. Yeah, yeah. He's he's arguably what, the most successful, if not one of the most successful, of the characters, and yet. Never works, and like, yet, and, and does can't really enjoy it, and we never really know for it's it's very much on brand for Matthew Perry, a uh, success, but yet you know struggles with that success, and and you know how to deal with that. And success. probably doesn't really need a roommate, but likes having Joey around was always the vibe. Well, he I definitely Joey. doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. He definitely doesn't need a roommate. He yeah. literally just he paid for everything, yeah. so he definitely yeah. didn't. Because when Joey moved out, he was like, "This is what we pay for rent. This is what we do." And he, Joey had no idea. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Chandler's just been also, taking care of everything. Also, we know that Monica's apartment was rent controlled, but definitely their apartment wasn't. No. So they, the uglier apartment, definitely they paid way more money. Oh, 100%. <laughs> like, How much did you learn about New York rent space and prices watching Friends? Like, Oh, completely. Yeah. But I also was so confused when I moved to New York and I wasn't able to afford an apartment like that. Or <laughs> even also, why is it as clean as it was on Friends? <laughs> it set, New York it, seems very clean. It set a very dangerous expectation of like, oh, this is how I'll live when I'm 20 something. Yeah. That's yeah, okay. Election 100%. took out any uh, expectations. That's very true. <laughs> when I saw that movie and I was like, he's like living in a closet for $5,000 a month. I was like, okay. Let's let's have uh, Michael feel bad. How old were you all when Friends first premiered? I'm not saying. <laughs> I was 10. Did it premiere in 94? 94. 94. I think I went. I was four. Were you born in 1990? Mm-hmm. I thought you were Oh, my 80s. God. All right. Well, so like, I was a senior in college. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. And and so in some ways it was like a completely relatable perfect show because it was you. perfect age. Yep. You know, I'm a couple couple years younger still than Matthew Perry. <laughs> but still just about to go on your own too. Yeah. And, and honestly, within the, you know, the year two was when the show really took off. Yep. And that yeah. was the first year that I had my first job. I was living with roommates in Chicago <laughs> and we were kind of living that friend's lifestyle. Yeah. And every Thursday night, I would you know race home uh, to in, in time to watch Friends, must see TV, you know, Friends, oh, yes. Seinfeld, ER, yeah. with my friends in our apartment in Chicago. We were young, we were about that age, and so we were living that life. I remember my boss at the time, uh, because of course I was doing what I do now because I have never changed. <laughs> write about television. He's like, why don't you write a column about what it's like to be living with friends while watching Friends? Meta before Meta was a it thing. It was very meta. Uh, but but yeah, so to watch that show and to sort of be living that life was so 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 fascinating to watch because I always, uh, you know, again saying that how I related to Chandler more than anyone else because in some ways Chandler was the epitome of Generation X mm-hmm, to right? me. He was the disaffected, sarcastic, uh, loved irony. You know, very much the stereotype of us uh, us forgotten generation, mm-hmm. the Gen Xers. You know, we're we're in the middle there. Every, everyone talks about the millennials. Millennials and the boomers, but no one ever talks about us poor Xers. And so we're Could a little we bitter. Could we be any more forgotten? Could we be any more bitter <laughs> about it? But uh, so, so Chandler was sort of the, the poster child of Gen X and Matthew Perry uh, as, as a result. So that this hits hard for, for us Gen Xers, us, us few, us mighty Gen Xers. And it's so funny because on the other end of it, I was like, obviously did not watch the show when I was four years old. It was not appropriate. I would not have understood anything that was happening. Um, And the the first episode I ever saw was the one with the jellyfish because my mom had taped it on VHS and I had put it on. And then I watched it over and over again because I thought it was so funny, even though now watching it back, I definitely didn't understand any of the jokes. (laughs) But by season, I think it was season eight. By that time, it was two years after TBS had started running reruns. Mm -hmm. So I had caught up watching all the reruns on TBS. So then I was watching live. So the last two seasons I was watching live. Uh, I think uh, it it really got its stride um, because I think I started watching like week to week to week. Uh, season seven, mm-hmm. and then season eight's when it won comedy series at the Emmys, yeah. and it's one and only uh, win for comedy series. Um, but it, it's interesting that like Chandler, like we, we all like to claim him like as our own. Mm-hmm. Mike, you know, was like uh, Roaring Twenties, and he wanted to talk about how he saw Chandler. Right, this you said Roaring Twenties, right? Not Gen Xers. Yeah, it actually, yeah, 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 yeah. It actually took place yeah, in yeah, the twenties. In the twenties, got it. <laughs> um, no, but. 
you know, listen, art imitates life, right, kind of thing. So we watched him, Chandler, the character, you know, struggle relationships with his with his parents, um, find love in all the wrong places before finding love in the most unexpected place. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really wish I was watching week to week. When him and Monica got together, oh, so great. and 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 how I can't like, imagine the world's I, reaction to uh, that? I, like it because it was not anything that's hinted at in the show. No, I mean actually the beach episode is when they first like, even like kind of talk about it, and then she and then he's he says that I was the last will you person. Sleep, will you sleep with me? And she's and she like, said nah. she, she said I love you, and that was it. And it was didn't feel like it was planned from the start. It, it definitely really wasn't organically. Yeah, definitely yeah that's wasn't. well. The Part plan initially was, wasn't the plan initially that they were going to break up by the end of the season, and they realized how much it was working. Yeah, for it was everyone. supposed to be a fling. And then the audience couldn't get enough. And then they were the best. And when everyone finds out, it's one of the best episodes yeah, like, yeah. of the yeah. show. Well, it's sort of the reaction I think people had because they're like, oh, we thought it was just sex. But if you're in love, that's I wonderful. Exactly. It was like echoing the audience. Right. That was yeah. such a huge moment, though. Right? I remember. Because I watched it yep. week to week in the UK. Friday night, nine o'clock. Yes, I was in college. Now I'm aging myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, I watched it in the dorm with, with yeah. everyone else. Yeah. And it was like... You know, like mandatory viewing every Friday night, nine o'clock. And I remember when Shonda and Monica were like getting together. Like, we didn't have social media back then. I think we barely had emails, right? Like, right. it was AOL or Hotmail, like one of those two <laughs> yeah. things. Um, but like, it was huge in the UK, I think, because Brit- Brits have always had this fascination with like American culture and like we all love New York and this show was just like the perfect yeah you know window into like making New York just seem romantic in this way of like oh like to Emily's point like oh I can have an apartment in New York and live in like mm-hmm. this great place and then obviously like real life sets in you're like oh wait and, and I'm um, guessing, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the UK, because, you know, they do love that biting humor, the sarcasm, the sort of yeah. the irreverence that he probably fit in. Chandler probably yeah. fit in the, the most. Best. The best. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. I remember because um, I was such an Anglophile in college being all excited because Hugh Laurie was on an episode yep. of Friends yep. sitting next to I think it was plane. Jennifer Aniston yep. on the plane. And nobody knew who Hugh Laurie was at the time, except <laughs> I was the biggest fan of Fry and Laurie. So oh I was like, God. oh, my God, this is the greatest episode ever. <laughs> and then he came over to American TV. Do you yeah. remember when Judy Roberts and Brooke Shields were like guests? Yeah. Yes. And that, that was huge. Post-Super Bowl episode. Yeah. yeah. So they pulled, it, yeah. pulled out all the stops and it worked. And uh, the monkey from Outbreak was <laughs> <Of> <laughs> almost a regular on Friends for a while. Yeah. I mean, the phenomenon of that show, you know, even going back to like that first those that that second season when when things took off, they're in that Diet Coke campaign. I was totally and, thinking about the yeah. who drank the Diet Coke. Yeah. And wasn't yeah. it Rachel? So I, I don't it, remember. I believe it turned out that it was Rachel. Yeah. Well, I think also like I I have this like kind of unfounded belief that all of the best series comedy series of history have rough first seasons and last seasons, mm. and that's what makes them perfect. And Seinfeld falls in that same mm-hmm. thing. Um, and it does hit its stride season two. And like, I, cause that's no one gets ready. Is that season, season right? Two. Yeah. yeah. That's like where it was like, Oh, we're making like, this is different. Right. This is not just like 20 something. This is becoming a cultural phenomenon. And then um, I think with Chandler in particular, he was kind of like Ricky Gervais before it was Ricky Gervais, but not as like, you know, crude or mm-hmm. like or um biting he was we we could see some fragility in in the character but matthew perry in particular 
and I think it's it's hard to call them like the heart of the show because because the show showed us like I, I remember seeing this meme. The friends showed us what different ways to have children was like. You mm-hmm. have the triplets with Phoebe. You have uh, fertility issues with Monica and Chandler. Mm-hmm. You have uh, single uh, parents with uh, Ross and Rachel. Ross with multiple marriages. Yeah, you know they kind of ran the gamut. And Chandler, I mean, one of the best moments dramatically of his arc in the show is him talking to Anna. Anna it's Paris. One, of my, one of the things I remember. The I most. literally Anna brought Paris. it up last night. Yep. I, yep. When he tells her, like, I'm, I'm going to figure out how to be a dad, but Monica's mm. already a mother without a child. Mm. It's like, I just, it hits you so hard. I remember that and the proposal. Mm-hmm. It was like two of my favorite moments of friends. And they're Wait, not which one? Because the first one is hilarious. <laughs> when, he, when he proposes and doesn't mean it. And then the second one when Monica <laughs> proposes is, is, is beautiful. I mean, I think where we are now, and I think all of us had because we were coming off the friends reunion mm-hmm. and we all saw him there and there was like a lot of chatter about how he looked and mm-hmm. how he was well because people um, age yeah and well, look different and you know, not everybody and, and, gets plastic surgery yeah, yeah. yeah well also it was just that you know he obviously was getting clean and, and listen we don't at this time of recording we don't know uh how he the, how the he autopsy the death, yeah. is not back yet but there is you know i'm a glass half full there is beauty if it was just like a heart attack. A hundred percent. When, like he, like he, it didn't get him in the end, kind of no. thing. That's and what then, you can and be happy about. At mm-hmm. the reunion, and he talked a lot about this in the book that he was, you know, everyone was like, "Oh, he's slurring. Oh, he's doing this." But like he had just gotten dental emergency dental surgery the yeah. day before, and he had no option but to go to the reunion. He wasn't going to skip it. That would have been even worse. So of course he was a little bit out of it. He all of his teeth had fallen out. Yeah, and that's why he had those kind of veneers that looked right. a little off putting, like fit into his face mm-hmm. all the way. They were yeah. Yeah. yeah, and because a couple months later he did his last interview and in person in person and there's a video it's like a 45 minute video on YouTube that is definitely worth watching now and he looks so much better than yeah. he did in the reunion yeah. so he definitely like it got some it, those were definitely temporary that's a shame yeah. it yeah. really is and, yeah. and you also think immediately about like you know we were all like you know where we were when we found out like I immediately thinking like where where's Jen where's Courtney right. like mm-hmm. right now and like the devastation must be yeah I think I was actually surprised that they put out a statement when they did. I know that yeah. they obviously uh, were probably getting bombarded with asks. I'm sure their publicists were just getting emails after emails. Uh, but I think it's really important to note, and as I've done some TV about it, I've kind of repeated this because people are like, why haven't they shared these like heartfelt ma-? We all lost Chandler Bing. They mm-hmm. lost Matthew Perry. Yeah. They lost yeah, a, that's a good, family good point. member. Yeah. Someone who we've spent one hour, one half hour a week with. They spent 12-hour days with for 10 years. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually angry at the people who are like, why haven't they put out something more substantial? It's like, what do you expect? Like, they lost their best friend, and they're grieving. We're we're not famous, and I can only imagine if my best friend died and someone started asking me, like, oh, tweet tweet something about that. And and not just tweet something. Tweet something substantial. We need need emotion. Everyone's going to ridicule and, and, and... Parse, so know. I do think their group right. interview was, or their group uh, statement was very nice. It was, it was like, it was we'll talk the later, best way to but do right it. now, yeah, please get off our back. Yeah. And I can only imagine. I, I, I hope they're all together and sort of just leaning on yeah, each other. And, I don't think anyone ever regretted waiting to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> right. the power of silence yeah. is something that is so strong mm-hmm. that people in this industry have a very hard time with. <laughs> yeah, especially lately, yeah. Uh, Hassan and Drew, oh, perhaps. Drew Braymore, man. Um, but um, I, I'm 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 just 
I'm glad that now uh, there's this newfound when he went. There's initial like, oh god, people are going to be kind of terrible on the internet about this, and it's been nothing but like love. Every like it yeah. looks, it for the really most part. yeah. For the, there I, mean, were I, mean, I mean, there are people there, had to make the Keanu Reeves comment. Uh, yeah. Oh, listen, and plenty of people are reading into the bat signal like yep. stuff all over it. So yeah, there are. Oh, there's always oh yeah. Well, there's people. crazy people there's out crazy, there too yeah, with their conspiracy theorists. Yeah. But for the most part, I mean, like all the the memes that have been created, the drawings, like. Like I, I, I scroll TikTok or Instagram, and it's just like comes up. Uh, um, like I saw the the when before Rachel quote unquote moves away in like one of the final episodes, and he said, and she, and he's like, you know, I'm gonna ruin this with a joke, but I just want to say I love you, and she like, don't say anything. I, I was bawling yeah. in bed because so, I was just like, oh. so true, yeah. Well, and and Clayton, you wrote quite a bit about uh, personally on social media, which, by the way, Maria and I are forever like, how does Clayton have the time to post <laughs> as much I mean, as he does? Uh, do, are we all forgetting that Emily Longoretta just wrote something in the well, magazine? I'm getting, I'm getting yeah, to like, that. I mean, listen, that was like, I'm I, getting your crap yeah, out of the way yeah, first. No, yeah, <laughs> right. no honestly, it was sometimes like you just don't know how to process stuff, so you just kind of jot it down, but. I mean, listen, like I've always been drawn to, I'm sure all of us have, the the characters that emulate most of your life. And I mean, struggling with his dad, uh, you know, I, I wrote about this after um, Ron Cephas Jones passed, mm-hmm. um, how watching him, like I wish, like watching This Is Us made me wish that I had like really patched things up with my dad in a substantial way before he went. And Chandler was the same thing. Like he invited – him to invite her because they still see him on the show. Yes, the they do. Show is so it's, it's, that part didn't age well. Yeah, it didn't age well. <laughs> you know, there's there's yeah. it's a tw- yeah, thirty yeah. years old. It's, it's, it's some some problematic yeah. things, but um, but you know, he invites her to his wedding. Yeah. You know, I didn't invite my dad to my wedding. I couldn't get there. You know, so th- it was just those things. Of like, damn, like Chandler, as messed up as he is, like was able to do it, mm-hmm. and then you know, he found love in the most unexpected places and stuck with it, you know, and by the, never once watching him and Monica be together. Was I ever like annoyed? Like my biggest problem with friends always is that Ross and Rachel end up together in the end. I didn't think they should. Mm-hmm. That's just my own narrative. Mm-hmm. I think Joey and Phoebe should have. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think Joey and I, Rachel should have. I, I will say, I did not like the Joey Rachel times. <laughs> Dark that could time. be a whole other yeah. episode. But, uh, Matthew Perry, Chandler being, you know, interchangeable, just always like, you know, got, even got through some really dark times in my life. So it was just easy to kind of like vomit that out and, uh, yeah. and, a and a Instagram post. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that hopefully at least from what we've seen is that in real life, Matthew Perry seemed to have pretty good relationship, both with his father and his stepfather, yeah. Keith yeah. Morrison, mm-hmm. which yeah. always blows people it's away. Always wild. Yeah. But Wait, who's his stepfather? Keith Morrison, Dateline. From, from Dateline. Oh, the I video didn't... of Keith Morrison arriving at the scene and him picking up the the yellow tape to walk in. It's like so haunting because yeah. you're used Hot to break. seeing it yeah. because on Dateline. Yeah. And yeah. deal with this at his Also, well, teams yet at its worst. Yes. Those are the worst moments. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I don't give them. Yeah, I don't even. I was trying to avoid it and then saw it last night on the news and was like, oh, okay, now we're just showing this everywhere. This, yeah. These personal moments, but. Well, Emily, let's talk about your personal sort of relationship with friends and what the show has meant to you over the years. Yeah, anyone who's come to my apartment will see right when they walk in. I have uh, framed uh, the 
uh, the floor plans of the apartments because I wanted something subtle in my apartment that represented friends when I moved out on my own for the first time. And so I got found it on Etsy. Someone had printed out these, this floor plan and I have it framed. And uh, so I, it's now, you know, gone across the country with me. And but the show, it just was so much more than a show to me at a time that I needed it. My parents were going through a divorce as a kid. And I, you know, there was very few places to find comfort in anything and find being have any control over anything when you're a kid and your parents get divorced you have no control and so when I was like couldn't sleep when I was laying up at night I would turn on friends and be able to be like okay these are people that I can count on no matter what they are going to be there every week they'll be there for you they will be there for you a hundred percent I also when I was in sixth grade got diagnosed with OCD and it Obviously, Monica has OCD. There's no going around that. Um, and it's a b- the butt of a joke, but never in a cruel way. Right. And even when her relationship with Richard, they had conversations about it, and they find this love within each other. But then with Chandler, it went a step further, because I realized that he, he says to her, like, I love you in spite of that, like, as a joke, but also, like, it there is so much acceptance there. So when I was afraid that like everyone's going to view me as a weirdo, like I do weird rituals, I know that. And I wash my hands all the time and I do things that I know are weird. They're not weird and that there are people that are going to accept you for who you are no matter what. So for me, I was looking at Monica, but then I was looking way more at Chandler and the group of friends and how they were like accepting her and was like, oh, I'm not worried because I'll be accepted. Uh, I would say just add, and this kind of goes with what you were saying before, Janelle. There were so many opportunities for the audience to turn on Chandler mm-hmm. all throughout Friends. Yeah. Most notably by him sl- kissing his best friend's girlfriend oh, when he starts mm-hmm. he starts dating Kathy. And we all like were like, I get it. <laughs> like poor right. guy needs a break. And like, he was punished <laughs> and he was he had yeah, to go in the box. box. Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> and we, made it work. And that was acceptable for everyone. We all took it and said, Yep, you know what? That, that's great enough. acting also, with the hand in the box. Oh, and when Kathy walks out hand. the door and he puts his finger through the hole to yeah. wave goodbye. <laughs> I Emmy, mean Emmy winning. We don't even <laughs> see him and it's like but yeah, that's it's just Clayton and I both like and everybody who watches has these stories of how the show touched them yeah. and how it, it like reaches out of the TV to comfort you. And so like even now, I, I put it on every single night when I go to bed. Yeah. It's like that's my it's, comfort it's show. Fall, fall yeah. And by the way, Emily, only person that knows I'm actually wearing a Halloween costume today and she recognized <laughs> it <laughs> right away. This is uh, Joey dressed as Chandler in <laughs> <laughs> when he dresses like Chandler. It was very meta and Emily got it. No one else did in the office. What's funny is because I wear these clothes normally. And I didn't ever pick up on that until now. And yeah. I was like, oh, no one's going to get this You're because like, am I, Chandler? I am Chandler. You are Chandler. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is so there funny. I just, I just thought for, for you it was Tuesday. <laughs> yes. Must be Tuesday. <laughs> we take a photo of Chandler. <laughs> good sweater outfit. Outfit. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, Janelle, you were mentioning to me earlier that uh, you you saw Matthew. Uh, yeah, about a- six years ago, um, a good friend of mine was in his play, uh, The End of Longing, which he also wrote. Um, he did it first very successfully in London, and then he took it to New York. Um, and I just – I didn't plan it this way, but I ended up going there for closing night, and then he rented out a restaurant and threw a party afterwards for the casting crew. And uh, I just I just happened to get to tag along. But I remember, first of all, how – really revealing the play is. I mean, I didn't really know this at the time that, you know, I I just went to see my friends play. 
I didn't even really know what it was about. And then I'm like, oh, this is kind of his story. It's about mm-hmm. an addict and, you know, he falls in love with a call girl and um, not like a flattering portrayal of himself. Mm-hmm. Like the character is kind of a creep, mm-hmm. but again, has that, you know, complex pain kind of underneath and is weirdly charming in his own way. Um, but a very warts and all depiction. And uh, he was very good. I remember him coming out afterwards and that like they were pouring champagne for everyone. And he was like, Diet Coke, please. Um, and kind of made a joke about it. And, um, you know, it's that thing where like you don't know someone, but like you've just seen them spill their guts on stage, you know, not just as an actor, but as a writer. And I just, you know, told him what a great job he did and uh, really was actually impressed by the script. Yeah. You know, that was that was a talent I didn't even know he had. Yeah, you know, it, you keep going back to just how heartbreaking it was because you could just tell and and even seeing him, you know, through the years, you know, at press tour, TCA or, or just at different events, you could tell just how tortured he was, how he really was uncomfortable uh, in his own skin being there. Um, you know, he, you know, had a, you know, rough relationship with the press as a result of that too. Um, you know, and, and so it's just, it's heartbreaking to yeah. see that. I also think that's like such a testament to him that he went through what he did behind the scenes, which of course we all knew for years, but not in depth until he wrote the book. But in his biggest roles, it never came through on screen. Mm-hmm. Even though he says he was sober through all of all but one seasons of Friends, only season nine, his the season he was Emmy nominated for, was he sober. But he was never drunk at work. He was never high at work. And he was always hitting his mark. So yep. it's like he was, mm-hmm. well, I mean, he writes in the book at one point he was taking 55 Vicodin a day. And he was still showing up to work on time. Like yeah. that is a work ethic that people, like that's a very, very rare thing. Proof yeah. that art can save you. Yeah. Like, he was yeah. able to pause yeah. even for the briefest of moments just so he could yeah, be, do, be, his job. do his job and be with us. Yeah. Yeah. So. Just a casual, really not heavy topic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? Happy Halloween. Yeah. So yeah. what's your costume, everybody? <laughs> um, but w- I think we should, and just think about this and Friends as successful as it is. One of the rare shows that I can think of that post Friends, the guys have really faced relentless, like, um, I don't say a hindrance, but like from really like expanding beyond what they're known for, Joey Chandler and Ross, mm-hmm. where Jennifer Aniston is, you know, now Jennifer Aniston yeah. on the morning show. Courtney Cox was, you know, she's on a show now on uh, yeah. Stars and had Cougar Town, which and she had was Cougar a, Town, was a, that was huge great show. Time, yeah. Yeah. And Lisa Kudrow is owed an Oscar nomination for the opposite of sex, and <laughs> and also did uh, and the comeback of course. yeah, give her an Oscar for the comeback, yeah. the comeback, the comeback man. Yeah. Yeah. Give her awesome. everything, you know, yeah. and and. But you're right. Like the only one who really of of the guys who managed to move on was Matt LeBlanc playing himself on episodes. So as long as David Schwimmer (laughs) as Robert Kardashian didn't do too badly. That's true. Yeah, Yeah, I got an Emmy nomination for that, and I honestly thought was. Real, again, to overuse this phrase, and so, to some degree, he's the heart of the OJ series yeah. because he honestly yeah. believes his friend is innocent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not doing it for you know a cause or you know greed. He's 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 there because he believes like, his friend. And to watch friend. those yeah. scales yeah. fall from his eyes, he's really good. Yeah, and let's not forget that friends also, I thought, gave a lot of proof how brilliant of an actor Bruce Willis is. Oh yeah. 
because yeah. his guest stint on that show oh, is it's remarkable. So good. It's, it's 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 about the, that show had such great guest stars, and a lot of them have come out to talk. Michael Rappaport mm-hmm. came out and spoke about him. Uh, Hank Azaria, who I didn't know they were Biffles. Like, I had no clue how close they were, but yeah. I loved his statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and his video. Did you see the video? Yeah, the video. It, it, was, it was it was wonderful. I didn't like, realize that Matthew Perry helped him get sober. Yeah. I, I didn't even know that they were that he was older than Hank Azaria. Yeah, he said he took him to his first AA meeting, which mm-hmm. is just which is which is amazing because yeah, I guess when they met, uh, Matthew Perry was sixteen and Hank was twenty one, and they they met on a pilot, I believe, right. and and be, they became BFFs after that. I knew they were friends so because they did uh, sexual perversity in Chicago together. I mm-hmm. think. Oh Yeah. Well. Um. Yeah. So. Rest in peace, Matthew Perry. Thanks, everyone, for sharing your memories. And um, we will see you again next week here at the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast. After the break, we talk to Barbie director and writer Greta Gerwig. From Los Angeles, this is the Awards Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. Aside from receiving lots of money and critical raves, Barbie is generating tons of Oscar buzz. The film is projected to land multiple noms, including Best Picture, Director, and Original Screenplay for Greta Gerwig, and Acting Noms for stars Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, and America Ferreira. Hi, Barbie! Hi, Ken! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Ken! Hi, Ken! Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. I got us both ice cream. Cool. Hi, Barbie. 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 Greta Gerwig wrote the script with Noah Baumbach, and the two wrote it as a means of escape during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. Gerwig, of course, could have never predicted the engagement and response to her movie based on the famous Mattel doll. Variety's Clayton Davis recently spoke with Gerwig to break down countless moments from the film and how this movie has changed her life. In addition, she talks about what a Barbie sequel could look like and where she is in her upcoming adaptation of C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia for Netflix. They began with Gerwig taking a moment to note all the female directors who came before her and paved the way for this moment in time. There's no way I could have made this movie without people making uh, some successful lady pictures. (laughs) And, um, and, uh, And so... You know, in some ways, and it's a totally understandable thing because, like any business, you you'd like to to mitigate risk wherever possible, yeah. and so, but it becomes a catch twenty two because then you can't try new things because yeah. the risk of it. So I feel very grateful to everyone who who successfully ran that gauntlet before <laughs> and enabled me to to do it now and also nice. that it but everyone who still I mean Warner Brothers Mattel it still was um not an obvious yes yeah. for many reasons. <laughs> so I feel yeah. very grateful that I got to make it. And then also, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I love, I love going to the movies. My favorite thing is to go to the movies with a group of people. I was just in, um, I got to guest program at AFI yep. and it was so 
fun to be in movie theaters. I got to introduce um, Pee Wee um, and um, the Powell and Pressburger matter yeah. of life and death. And just looking out and, you know, these people get to experience th these movies in a movie theater yeah. with a group of people. It makes me really happy. So the fact that people went and experienced it together is like that, that is, that is the dream that really. It made it a thing like war pink when like, see it multiple times it's like still just like racking up money at the box <laughs> office and 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 listen like what's what's interesting about this and this is no shade whatsoever but it's like i talked to you for ladybird and then we had little women and i feel like there was just no hint that this would blow up in the way it did because we've seen like toy adaptation movies before. Mm. Unfortunately, we all saw Super Mario Brothers in the early 90s, which I actually love anyway. <laughs> I stand by that movie till the day I die. But, you know, like, I would have never guessed this big yeah. of a thing. I think it also, what what's amazing to me is, I mean, I obviously had, I loved making the movie. I had faith in the movie. I loved writing it. Um, and, you know, there was a very palpable joy on the set it yeah. was one of the happiest sets i've ever seen mm -hmm. and 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 so there was it there was a feeling of like okay well it doesn't necessarily mean the movie's going to work but if i'm a big believer that a lot of that gets into the movie and i thought yeah. well if if people have as much fun watching it as we did making it or even half as much it we've got a shot and so they, I, I had faith, but then there was this sort of what it became, I think, collectively was also this completely – I could never have predicted the response because it felt organic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it felt like this kind of – nobody told anyone to wear pink. Yeah. Nobody told – like this was a – this was its this was own thing. It just <laughs> happened on its own. Yeah. And it, I think that that part of it, it, it corresponding with some – need people had to be together and experience something communally, which is a need I have. And I think so much of it, like you were saying from yeah. like movies you love, it does, it goes back to movie experiences in childhood that yeah. you have as these touch points that you can't shake. And I have lots of different ones, but I do have to say a big one for me was Titanic and seeing Titanic in a movie theater multiple times, multiple times <laughs> I had to be carried out. I was crying so hard. Or I was I had to be supported by my friends. Um, you know, that experience yeah. was unforgettable. In Sacramento, they had these movie theaters that have since been torn down. They're great movie theaters. It called the, they were like domes, the mm -hmm. way they'd have the domes. And yeah. you call them the domes. You're going to go to the movies at the domes. And so, you know, before I, you know, discovered you know different the, the big hollywood movies that yeah. you see at the domes and i just have such a m m visceral memory of that yeah. and so like as an adult to make something <laughs> that also there was a participation level of like you know that that sense it, it, it's very um I don't know. It, it's, it, it feels very connected to childhood. Yeah. P people didn't bring uh, floating doors to Titanic. We just went to go see Titanic like normal yeah. humans and then and then complain about it for the next 25 years on how <laughs> Jack could have lived. And I stand, right, a, exactly. I stand a little bit by that. Um, no, I know. It's, but, it, but, it, but it was like, yeah, exper experiencing it all together. I mean, there was several movies like that of just being – 
being in a group, seeing yeah. something for the first time, and you know, having those those key memories. Yeah. So let's talk about writing uh, this this movie. So listen, mm-hmm. there's these rumors going around that you and your other writer might have had a romantic thing during the <laughs> during the, the movie. I mean, I don't like to go into like you know yeah, no. trashy territory, <laughs> but I think you guys maybe even had a baby during yes. or before this process. Yes. Um. But no, Bombac. Uh, yeah. Like, listen. Yeah. Put. Take me to 2017, put us back there and ask me, like, what are going to be some of the movies Noah is going to help write in the future? And Barbie would not have uh, no. come up a few times. No, no. Actually, um, yes, no, he, he did not – he did not want to do this um, at all. I mean, he actually – because I knew – so with Margot Robbie, uh, who I'd gotten to know a little bit during that 2017 run because she had I, Tanya mm. as an mm. actor and as a producer. And I had obviously admired her as an actor. But then I got to know her a little bit as a producer. One of the incredibly lovely things about um, if you're lucky enough to to be in a, any kind of conversation around festivals and yeah. all of this wonderful um, hoopla is that you get to – meet people that are uh, your colleagues you know or or the you know are in the same industry or people you have admired forever and then all of a sudden you're across the table from them and um i just i remember being just deeply impressed by margo as a producer and how smart she was and i thought oh i'd really like to do something with her at some point and so she'd come and said she had she and warner brothers her company lucky chap and warner brothers had um the rights to make Barbie, to develop it and make it. And um, would I like to write it? And I had an instant feeling of, I would, but I want, I want to do it with Noah. Um, And he did not have that same feeling. (laughs) His feeling was, why would you, why would we do that? (laughs) I mean, I think the, the basic, his basic objection wasn't that it's Barbie. It was more that there's not, there's not a character. There's not a story. It's an object. It's a doll, but it's 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 by its nature contentless. Yeah. There's no there there. Where would we even begin? But I kind of had this sense that there was something in it because, I mean, obviously, I I had a I had my own set of specific memories around it, and also everyone knows who she is. Everyone has an opinion. The opinions run the gamut, mm-hmm. and not one of them is milk toast they're all i hate her i love her she's terrible she's wonderful it's an inspiration it's a terrible like there was like it really encompassed all of these things but i didn't really know where to start but i also thought i hadn't written with noah since um mistress america um and so we did francis how we did mistress america and then we obviously like read each other's stuff and look at stuff so it's not like we're not in each other's lives creatively but we hadn't we hadn't really written together um and but yeah he just continually tried to get out of it and then um and then finally i i i, I mean he he i guess he accepted that it was happening um <laughs> and then uh and then i i i we don't sit together uh when we're writing we we tend to work apart and then give each other what we've been working on mm. um I 
part of it is because I think we like making each other laugh and there's something so gratifying about handing like, you know, a scene to someone and then listening from the other room and saying, do they think it's funny? Yeah. You know, and like, <laughs> Your head uh, comes yeah, to the like, door. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I had written sort of the way I always start is just, it's almost starting to feel out whatever the thing is and you don't yeah. know what it is yet. So, so I had written some, some moments and ideas and scenes that, aren't they aren't in the movie but they kind of had a feeling what the movie became and it was about 20 pages and he read it and then he thought there's something there and then he started riffing and then we just started building it out and then because it was there were no movies when we were writing because we were writing in 2020 in um the summer and so it felt like in a way what was going on during that time was anything happening um nothing <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing was, was happen- happening literally nothing yeah. was happening no, i mean it was i mean it was this terrible tragic time a scary yeah. time and the thing that we loved most movies didn't exist yeah. and um i think it in a way though it gave us this kind of freedom and this sort of go for brokenness around it yeah because we thought, well, they're already not movies. Yeah. Just like YOLO, man. So, let's just yeah. go out with a blaze of glory. And so let's do something totally outrageous. And um, and they'll never let us make it. But that's <laughs> they're not making anything. Yeah. Like, let's, let's, and I think – so it became this um, way to – I don't – I mean, it, it was it – was, the thing that gave us so much joy yeah. uh, every day and, and that we had this discovery around and, you know, we had this freedom to um, make it whatever we want. And when we started writing it, I wasn't even set to direct it. So um, oh, at this point, you're just a writer. Oh, we're just on writing it. it. Oh. Yeah. So in addition to going for broke, we also had, the, which mm. is helpful sometimes, is, <laughs> I was like, well, they'll never make it. But if they do, this is somebody else's problem. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> like, no yeah, I'm like, well, I have no idea how to shoot that, but well, it's not my problem. <laughs> and so you kind of. Was there ever a point when you were writing it that you were like, oh, I want to do this now? <laughs> yes. No. no. Well, then, then there was a point where we both were like, this is very special and funny and we love it. And, uh, and then I was like, I, we still were like, they'll never make it. But at that point I was like, but if they do, no one I, I can, no one else can direct it. Like I have to direct right, it. To then I had to go back to Margot and ask them, <laughs> ask her. I was like, "Are you okay if I direct it?" And then she was like, "Yes, mm-hmm. yes, you could direct it." And I was like, so, "Okay, yeah." You got in there. Yeah. Um, I have to ask because yeah. this has been the one question I've wanted to ask you since I saw the movie. Okay. And I don't know who to give credit to, but I also want to know the other versions of the scene, mm. the line of the year, not even of the movie, mm. the year for me mm. is Ryan Gosling yelling <laughs> sublime when I say I have not laughed so hard in a movie in a, in a like yeah. so hard that so hard that like I think 15 minutes after that scene mm. is the Rhea Perlman scene yeah that I laughed during that because I thought of Sublime again. Yes, and sublime. then it looks like I'm an asshole That's all, yeah. in the movie. No, but it, uh, yeah. it is who came up with Sublime and what other versions, what other word <laughs> was used? Okay, well, so you have credit where credit's so, – so Ryan had the idea of he should <laughs> have – 
a private moment that she can hear, of course, because there's no walls <laughs> or privacy in Barbie land. Um, so he had that idea. And then I, I will, to give myself credit, I came up with <laughs> sublime. I thought that that was the funniest word. Um, and then we did lots of, I let him do lots of things, but just because, do you remember Why some not? Of the words? Like I, I just I think of oh, like God. just so many different um, like lines and takes. Yeah, I mean he he did some very long sentences that he screamed <laughs> like he said he said finally my rainbow after the storm like it was like there was this very long but I just kept going back to sublime is the oddest word and so, so random but uh-huh. um but it was his idea to do a screamed word and then yeah. my idea was sublime and then um. Uh, and then he executed it perfectly. Well done. Well done, Ryan. Well done, Greta. <laughs> um, and this is something to be said about Ryan Gosling. We're talking about the guy who mm. I find to be one of our greatest actors I who guess. did Half Nelson, La La Land, Lars and the Real Girl, Ides of March. And again, ask me 10 years ago, his career best performance and his gift to cinema would be his transformation and this is where i think people undervalue comedy a ton like the dude became a ken doll like he like we talk about transformations we've seen christian bale and the machinist and it's crazy ryan became a ken doll and it's the best thing he's ever done and it's a gift to us that we'll never stop giving no it's i'm it's so funny because noah and i had written his name into the script because we knew we were writing for margo and i think that kind of gave us again because it all felt like fantasy baseball in a way and it was like well i'm writing it for ryan gosling Mm -hmm. even though i don't know ryan i've never (laughs) met ryan but i think i mean i've always known he's very funny as an actor but his what's funny about him as an actor always does come out of what makes him a great dramatic actor, which is that he takes everything incredibly seriously. And there's a sort of intelligence and off-centered approach that it's never the obvious way to do it, but it's so – you can't imagine it another way when you see it. So I had imagined him in it, and then I – and then we – I remember – but his name is written into the script and yeah we i had to then i i i was like when i say we wrote this for you <laughs> i mean literally like it's not i'm not this is not a line mm-hmm. this is actually i imagined you doing this and um and he genuinely transformed himself to become ken and to the point where he actually um because he, I think in a way, I think this is true for Margot and for, for Ryan, that they both, um, and collectively, we kind of slipped into this, uh, I mean, this was like an alternate universe, I mean, <laughs> literally. But also, it, it, it wasn't something, it, 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 it was something that, it it was like it existed for this period of time, yeah. and it and it and it wasn't something where it's like, well, well, let's just do it again right now. Like even when we had to, you know, you inevitably end up doing some ADR, <laughs> and it, and um, he did it a couple, and he's great at ADR, of course, but um, it, it was almost like I, I could tell even when he was watching the performance back, there's almost a sense of like, I can't believe 
I did that, (laughs) you know, in a wonderful way. It's almost like a, we were in this heightened state, but I always think about the two of them, honestly, in the last scene that they have together up in the bedroom, it's Mm. the most wonderful acting and the most outrageous um, commitment and pathos within the matrix of uh, anarchic comedy that I've, I don't know, it's pretty yeah. great. Yeah, it's, it's one of those, it was, what, I'm glad you took because that whole last time we see him is, as it's happening, I remember saying to myself, like, I can't, like, like this is a moment, like, you kind of recognize there's a moment in cinema. Yes. You're like, I'm watching something that I know is happening, <laughs> like, in our orbit, and we're not aware that this is going to be something that's, like, referenced forever and we're we may not get to see stuff like this again because i like there are moments when i watch the movie and you know and i I love everything that you touch but there are moments i watch the movie and i ask myself i can't believe someone didn't walk on set and say no greta (laughs) like no neither could i like like stop (laughs) this is done no and it's I, I, no, you, you got it's to a, end the movie with the word gynecologist. Uh, well, that was yes, <laughs> yes. yes like, that was that was no. I mean, I did, there, there was so many things like that that I genuinely felt that you know I I I would often get into you know you, you do the day you get back to the car and I'd be so euphorically happy and then also think to myself, what have I done? <laughs> what either this is. I mean, it, 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 but it, but it was something that, you know, from the writing to the directing to everything that it was like, there's no way to go, but just all mm-hmm. out because any other way you can't hedge. What are you going to hedge? You're yeah. already making a Barbie movie. They're playing Barbie and Ken and they brought a mother and daughter back with them. And now they're talking to the dead creator. I mean, go big or go home. Yeah. There's, I don't know. It, it was it's either like that a, or you just don't do it at all. Then yeah. no, exactly. And I felt like I like b- between the entire creative team and uh, all the actors who came on board, it's like, um, Everyone collectively understood that on some deep level, yeah. and so the, it, I think in a way, when we 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 shot most of it, um, we shot, had shot most of it, and we had a couple of weeks in LA at the end of the shoot, and we'd been in this isolated world together that everything made sense to us, and then the first thing we really shot here was out on Venice boardwalk, and. It's like we knew what we were doing was wild, but then all of a sudden, when they're in those neon outfits <laughs> in rollerblades on Venice Beach, that really the the, the the sort of how wild it was sunk in because mm-hmm. I I looked at you know we're staging this fiction of everyone staring at them, but then everyone really was staring at them. <laughs> like, we didn't have to get too method about this. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Like, I think that that was this, what is going on yeah. with this movie? And I think, um, so we, uh, you know, it was, it was a, it was a moment of, of, uh, yeah, it was a, the, the, the fiction and the reality became yeah. very blurred. It could only be you. It could only be you. <laughs> um, I have to ask you about, um, our Lord and Savior, America Ferrera. Oh, I know. Listen, 
I, I, I feel like I have to almost publicly thank you because I always fear that the world is forgetting about her and how amazing she is. Not me. And yeah, I know. <laughs> and here you go. You're like, here's here's a speech and that like listen, I don't know if you're ever gonna become the head of an acting school somewhere, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we're gonna hear that monologue delivered by every person for decades to come. It is the speech it, it is uh bill pullman independence day it's so great um i actually we, we talked about different movie speeches and she looked at different movie speeches and the speech and network i was like that's another obviously yeah, great yeah. speech. i was like i was like there are sometimes these speeches and 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 you know i you know obviously i'm not asking you to do the the, the same thing but it, but um we talked about it because it but I, uh, yeah, she was another one. I knew I wanted her. Really? Yeah. You know, I knew I wanted her and I knew her a little bit uh, through people. And um, I've always loved her. I've always thought she was great. And I, she lives in New York as well. And I, but I, I always had this feeling it's her. And um, she's like, she, I just didn't have a, there was no backup. Yeah. It was like, she's Gloria. And, um, that's it. That's her aria. It's the Gloria aria. What I also love about it is because you demonstrated what I beg the world to do is that, you know, when I talk about diversity in film, they think I'm just talking about like, you know, give Latina a role into a Latina role. Gloria is never like reference. It's like a Latino at all. She just is. And that's what we want to see. And I was so happy that like it wasn't a crutch. I mean, listen, there is something subtle laughter that I found that and i'm sure you and america and everyone else found it there is subtle laughter that you can find in her husband mm. speaking <laughs> but because... actually actually that is her real husband no, um, in real life in life oh, because, is it because really? actually we had written that into the script we had written this into the script of this idea of you know this he's, he's using his apps um and learning spanish and um she said did you did you write this because my husband is always learning Spanish? And I said, no. And she was like, he's in the other room right now learning Spanish. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And and then at some point I was like, do you think he would just play this part? And then she was like, yes. And then they, they were actually having a discussion at the end right before we shot um, the the scene – when he he's he's speaking Spanish and she's like correcting his pronunciation mm-hmm. and I was like stop doing it do it when we get in the car please do it when we get in the <laughs> car and he's camera. such a lovely I mean he's the one most wonderful person he's an actor he's a he's a um, he's a writer he's a filmmaker and he was ta- he was so game to do it and um and then yeah and she actually um was sitting behind the camera when um we were doing he you know. Uh, we were doing the little scene where they cut away to him and, and she was giving him uh, direction. Um, so it was a very, it felt oh, very um, familial that way. And it was something where it was like, it was, and I will say about the speech too, it wasn't, I didn't know and I didn't finish writing that and just hand it to her. It was something that then she embroidered with her own experience. Yeah. And there was actually a whole, um, the section where she says, always be grateful that was actually her bringing that was oh. her bringing her uh, she had a lot of writing that she'd done and and she was like there to always be grateful yeah. and that was and so when i think of it it's not i don't ever think of that as like america doing my speech i think of like that is something that we created together yeah. and that it wouldn't exist in the way it does if it wasn't her and um she i mean she's also 
She's can do all the things. She's <laughs> she can do huh? all the things. Oh God. All right. Two last questions I would keep yeah. you here all day. Um <clears throat> so <sighs> the discussion around, you know, too Barbie, too furious. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or uh or the Empire Strikes Back, Barbie yeah. Land, you know, whatever yeah. we wanna yeah. You know, I mean, listen. Or just Alan. Or just, a- or just, a- you know, just I- Alan. You know what I re- I really want? I need a Kingsley Benadire oh, like oh, spinoff. Oh, like he is yes. Also, he's another one. He's so funny. So he came up with all of this stuff. He came up really early with this idea of that he always wanted to be holding too much. He always wanted too many things that he was holding, and that he just continued that. Forever in the whole thing, like it was so. Everyone embroidered what they 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 really brought it to another level. Yeah. Like he is he is so. Second funniest thing of the movie is when he turns around and just starts speaking. Like, he starts turning his, his, <laughs> starts emulating one night in Miami yes, again. His yes. Malcolm X. It is yes. Oh no! Actually, he um. I said when you turned around. Um, we did a couple of versions. He did one um, because, you know, he's quite uh, – he can do anything, mm. you know. But he – and he's, you know, this very uh, proper trained British actor. He has – he can do like the – like Olivier voice. Mm-hmm. So we had versions where he did turn around and it was British <laughs> and we had versions. And, but I, that was one of the moments when he turned around and did that voice – Everyone on set, it, 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 I literally everybody's jaw dropped. It was like he became this different person. I think the direction I gave to him, I was like, I said something like, "Ascend the throne," and he was like, "Got it." And then he turned around and he ascended the throne. Yes, and I was like, "Get this to <laughs> Nick get, immediately." Whoever is making Bond needs this immediately. Yep. <laughs> like I I've I mean I I don't have a I, I, I don't know what the status of any of that is, but it, it was oh, just like one of those moments so of like um yeah anyway I, I couldn't love him more. If, a total if commitment. They're not the, dele- the deleted scenes of the Blu-ray, Greta, you we're gonna have issues. We're gonna have real issues. <laughs> yeah. I need to see these cuts. He all also, the cuts. There's also um a thing when he sort of starts talking about um the godfather that he does this um we, you know, he start he starts talking about like um the triumph of um, you know, Robert Evans and the architecture of the seventies studio system, but then he has this extremely long speech that about um the psychological position of Fredo and it is so <laughs> great and I gave it to him like that morning and he was like got it and he just memorized it and he rattled it off and it's just it's amazing he's <gasps> it couldn't but I feel this way about every single person in the movie yeah. like every single they every body who was in it just brought their whole selves in this way that was like it was so wonderful and and everyone had things that like like Simu, I remember when I talked to him because I thought it was, I, he sent a tape and I thought it was really great. And I said to him something because I knew he'd done, you know, martial arts. And I was like, a lot of that is like dance. I knew I wanted dancing. I was like, are you comfortable dancing? And he was like, I was in a hip hop competition crew when I was in college for accounting. And I was like, what? Well, and he was like, I would leave. And he sent me videos of himself. And I was like, how are you the perfect person? And the same thing happened with Sharon Rooney, who's one of our 
many multiplicities of Barbies is she said, she said, I used to do disco competitions. And then she had pictures of her as a little girl in full disco outfits. And it felt like, it really felt like for everyone who came to play, the stars were aligned. They, they came Oh God, that's and Simu. By the way, it's funny you say that hip hop competition thing because I feel like he is maybe because we're both '90s kids. Yeah. But I felt I, I was like, this is like AC Slater. Like he, he was very <laughs> yeah. saved by the bell. Like it was like he was like the villain, but like not villain. No, no, no. Yeah, you know, he, yeah he's just he's just like the yeah. love adversary. I feel like he was also just like um, he kind of like sensed an opening yeah you know um and and it, it was fun it, it, for us like w- it was also like a you know we'd pull uh, collectively i mean we did a lot of rehearsals and um i'd pull we'd have i called it like movie church we mm-hmm. we all watch movies every sunday morning mm-hmm. at 10 a.m um the uh, movies that were related to barbie somehow so we that was really fun and oh, we'd do yeah. that and then and then also we'd pull from like every conceivable sort of, you know, Howard Hawks, fast talking comedies, but also like uh, I think Ryan and Simu both saw it of sort of like almost like it was the bachelorette, which I actually never yeah. seen. But then they showed me clips and I was like, oh, no, this is correct. I yeah. know what you're talking about. Yes. Oh my God, we're going to do movie church. That's movie gonna church. Be, yeah. Be- I want to go to movie church. Movie church is a good thing. Yeah, it's a very um I mean I also I have to say as a as a lover of going to the movies but maybe now as a mom, um 10 a.m. is my favorite time to watch a movie for two reasons. You're awake. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not um, tired. You're not tired and also um then you can have lunch after. Yep. Um, and the kids are kind of like at their calmest yes. really around yeah. that time. They're yeah. really chill. 10 a.m. is like a good um it's also my mom, as soon as she hit um, the age, there's like, there's an age that you hit when um, you get to go to the movies for less, but the first show of the day, like the 11 a.m. show. And mm-hmm. she's like, well, we've got to go see, you know, the movie mm-hmm. movies again at 11 a.m. And I'll get that half price ticket. And I, I, <laughs> I think we, I think I already hit the number because I. Pretty sure my wife saw Barbie at like 11 a.m. <laughs> no, in it's Sherman a, Oaks. So, it's a, yeah. I, I can't, it's, it was younger than I thought because I remember when she hit yeah. it. I think it's just like a matinee, like, yes, thing, a matinee. But, but they also, some cross, cross with senior citizen time. And, I have a very clear memory of coming back from college and she's like, we have to go see, we went and saw Ray at the Domes at, oh. a, at like 11 a.m. And she was, she'd already seen it and she was like, Loved it so much, and she was like, "We have to go again at 11 a.m." And yeah. we went. <laughs> Mama Gerwig is a fan of Ray. She, no, she, she loves. She loves. She honestly is a total. She's um, she she and my dad. I mean, they not you know in the business, but they they loved movies. They oh. loved theater. They loved. They were very avid goers. Yeah, and I think um, it was what inspired me. It was like the thing that I wanted to be part of because it's the thing that we, we did. And we also did go to regular church, but we did do a movie church. But circling back to the beginning of the question, so do we get a sequel with uh, oh, God, Kings of yeah. the Deer? Uh, um, you know what? This, this is what I'll say. Right now, I, as, I don't know, but <laughs> but I loved this process so much and these people so much that yeah. honestly – any excuse to get the band back together, I can't. I mean, it would only be amazing. And also, all of these characters, I would. I mean, they're so wonderful. And any, 
kind of exploration would be would be really fun. But at the moment, I think I'm that's a, that's a far away. <laughs> but as like you know, I mean, I it, nothing has to happen in in a in a way that's. Um, you know, follows any template. You yeah. can you can come you back to these things and yeah. and in in different ways. So, yeah, we'll see. But um, okay. I certainly love love every single one. Okay. And the final question is: Your next directorial effort is a new world that I love <laughs> yeah, oh, so no. much. Uh, C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. Yes. Yes. Um, also, and I'm going to say this now: mm. You need if I don't get an Academy Award ceremony. That opens with I'm just kidding. <laughs> and you don't direct that that <laughs> sequence. It's going to be there are gonna be issues. I demand oh. a lot. I'm a I'm a very expensive date. I I mean I have to say I would be extremely happy <laughs> if that happened. I mean, I mean it's also just like getting them to perform on yeah. stage. Also, I do like again, you know, and just going back to childhood, I mean, I dress up to watch the Academy yeah. Awards every year on television. Yep. So like in you know a, a dress from you know the secondhand store, yeah. but it was like a ball gown or something, and so um, I have a lot of love for ceremonies and stuff like that. You have ideas. I, I do actually, and I do um, like my favorite Oscar opening of all time. Love it, please. Help is um, Bernadette Peters doing? She's doing basically a riff of putting it together in the 80s. I think it's like 80, 86, 87, something like that. It's great. And she's doing this Sondheim song. And it's about um, – originally it was written for um, Sunday in the Park with George. But then Barbara Streisand did a version on her Barbara on Broadway album. Um, and she makes it about making an album. It's like she changes the lyrics slightly. And then Bernadette Peters did it, but made it about making a movie. And then it's like she's wearing a dress and she's singing all this thing. And it does this thing where it's like a pre-record, and then she's on stage and she's like – and she's like – then she's uh, she's out and it's a great opening. Like I've watched it. It's on YouTube. It's right. so great. It's like I love a, a solid musical number it's, opening. We have gotten away from the musical number openings <laughs> of the Oscars, and I don't. Yes. I don't appreciate yes. it at all. No, and I think if there's um, I'm yeah, I'm a sucker for the stage design and everything. I mean, I really like I really like the whole the whole shebang. I think it's because I think of it as like a stage show that's um, it's a celebration. It's it's celebrating movies. That's what we do. Yeah, it doesn't have to do with what's happening like in the year of movies. You just celebrate celebrate movies. No, it's a it's it is um, it's just there's a sort of yeah, I connected it with memories and also the history of movies and. I, I mean, I don't live in a, a in Los Angeles, but these the theaters, whether it's you know the Chinese theater, or the you know Dolby theater, like the, the, these kind of historic landmarks, yeah, in these sort of exciting ways for me. And anyway, yes, I agree. It would be very fun to see that. <laughs> and then Narnia. Oh God! Oh yes, no, that's um, I'm in whatever um. Part of my process is just is like terror, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Just I'm uh, no, I'm 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 I have the same feeling. It's it's a it's a it's a series of books that have meant a lot to me in my life. Yeah. And then um, C.S. Lewis as a writer has been uh, some someone who's has a lot of profound things to say, and yeah. and also. But I'm, but I'm very, um, I'm in the, 
I'm lost. There's a, <laughs> I'm in the, in there's the a, I'm in the, there's a, there's a thing in, in one of his books called the wood between the worlds. Mm-hmm. That's where I am. Okay. I'm in the wood between the worlds. So you're working on it. I'm, yeah, there's okay. a, it's like an idea where it's like uh, at the, bo- there's a, it's a wood that goes on forever. You can't kind of see the sky. It's so dense. You can't see the end of it. And there are all these pools and at the bottom of each pool is a universe. Mm. And, um, Anyway, that's where I am. I'm in the wood between the worlds. But the problem with the wood between the worlds is you can often forget what you're doing there. (laughs) That this is actually a feature of it. You kind of get a little bit of amnesia. So you have to remember, like, where am I going? Which world am I trying to get to now? Mm -hmm. But that's what I feel like. I'm I'm very much in that. Well, Greta, the thing that brought us together in 2017 was our (laughs) love for the Academy Awards and talking about (laughs) how much we love it so much. And I cannot wait to attend an Academy Award ceremony that has any type of Greta Gerwig in the room. It's going to be so awesome when it happens. I I really... I really am glad to find a fellow lover of 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 the whole the pomp and circumstance <laughs> like of it. Just like it's just like it is what it is, and and it, and movies are important and celebrating them, exactly. whether they get in or not. It's not about just what gets yeah. in. It's, it's not, discussing the snubs and all that. That's for me. It's part of the process. And also, yeah, but I, I do think it's all like I remember when I graduated from college they said you know you have an image of graduating from college and you throw your mortarboard up and they said don't throw your mortarboard (laughs) because it's dangerous (laughs) because mortarboards are sort of like these uh you know and i was and it was like i was like no but i'm I, I'm in the movie of my mm. life, and don't we throw our hats yep. now? Um, I also did not throw my hat uh, at high school graduation because they said, this isn't for you. It's for your parents because they paid for you to be here, and they wouldn't let us throw it. They said, if you throw it, we, I, the principal said, I swear I will hold on to your diploma as long as I, I legally can. Like, they threatened all of us. So we couldn't throw our hats up. You couldn't throw your hats it's, up. And it, well, I felt cheated. I was like, I've watched Saved by the Bell. Yes. <laughs> we know what happens. The way they did it for us was you couldn't get your diploma if you hadn't paid your library fines. They, they, that's how they made sure everybody paid library. their library. So um, I actually knew someone who who, who never got their yeah, pl- diploma of that. because they had too many library fines, and they figured they'd never go to they, – they weren't going to go to graduate school, so they thought, well oh, – I don't need it. It's okay. <laughs> I just won't get it. Expensive piece of paper. Yeah. But uh, I love you, Greta Gerwig. I think you're the best. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks and, so much. And uh, I look forward to – everything that you're going to bring us well i really appreciate it and i hope it's not as that long blu-ray between... that blu-ray de- the deleted scenes man <laughs> this is the gift that keeps on giving it's, it's your marching orders walking out of here <laughs> okay i will do it <laughs> bye thank bye. you bye that's greta gerwig director and writer of barbie still in theaters And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Zach Levin edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news analysis and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, Emily Longaretta, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime. Anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.